Hello, and welcome to a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Today, we will go down into the Salt and Light cellar and bring up some of our favorite conversations of early 2015. First, we speak with liturgist Jerry Gallipo about the baptismal qualities of the Lenten season, and Jacob and Michael Paul Leon tell us about the changes with the Jacob and Matthew band. In our second half hour, we speak with a young Jewish couple, Aaron and Melanie Cohn, about marriage. And at the end of the program, we meet singer-songwriter Trevor Thompson. Let's begin now with Cultivating a Baptismal Spirituality. A few months ago, we learned all about the Catholic publishing world from Jerry Gallopo, the chief publishing officer at the Chicago-based J.S. Pollock Company and their music division, World Library Publications. Jerry is an accomplished liturgist, author, and composer, and he has a new book. You have put on Christ, cultivating a baptismal spirituality. And to tell us how this baptismal spirituality can help us, particularly in our Lenten journey, I'm now joined by Jerry Gallopo. Jerry, welcome back to the program. Thanks so much, Deacon Pedro. It's great to be here. So I was telling you, I'll tell our listeners, just before we, we started the interview, I was telling Jerry that this book completely changed my whole Lenten approach. Um, and, I, and I do want to get to that. But before, so this is uh, an idea, and once we start talking about it, people will know what it is, uh, that is specific to people preparing for baptism, adults, RCIA, catechism, that kind of thing, or, do you, or is this something that is for everyone? Well, I think it's 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 a uh, it's quite interesting because it's a it's a fairly recent discovery, uh, not just for uh, catechumens or those the elect preparing for baptism, but for uh, for all Catholics uh, during Lent. If I could, for a second, yes, and this is, these are the things that I found striking when I was looking at the Second Vatican Council's Constitution on the Sacred Liturgy. Yeah, <coughs> pardon me. It says that the season of Lent has a twofold character primarily by recalling or preparing for baptism and by penance. Because uh-huh. most Catholics, when you ask them, you know, what do you think, what's the first thing that comes to mind when you, when you say the word Lent? Penance, yeah. Penance, fasting. penitential practices, yeah. prayer, fasting, almsgiving. No one says baptism. recalling yeah. or preparing for baptism. And the Church documents, including the RCIA, are very consistent in naming this recalling baptism as the first thing, even before preparation for baptism. So in a sense, I, I think what the Church is saying, sure, there's a penitential character to the season, you know, there's no escaping that, but primarily what we're talking about here is a 40-day retreat or 40-day preparation time for what we're going to do, which I think is the most important thing that any Catholic does every year, is that annual renewal of baptism promises at the Easter Vigil. Okay, so let, let, let's let's unpack that a little bit. Sure. Um, it's for everyone. It's a recent discovery, not just by you, although it was just a recent discovery by you, but also I've discovered it, thanks to you, um, that Lent has a baptismal, a twofold character, equally important, not just penitential, but also, but also baptismal. Correct. What, what, what is it? So two questions. Why is our baptism so important, and why do we recall or renew our baptismal promises every year at Easter? Well, 
it's a, the first part of your question is great. Why is our baptism so important? I just finished uh, preaching a, a parish mission last night, actually, at a local parish here in Chicago. Mm-hmm. And one of the evenings is completely dedicated to talking about recalling uh, or, or rediscovering the power and potential of our baptism. And most Catholics that I come in contact with just don't think about the fact that they're baptized. No. It's, it's an event that happened, whatever. Um, I don't remember don't it. Know I know that it happened yeah. because I have a certificate that proves it. Yeah. But the whole sense that, the for me, well, it's not for me, for, for the Church, our whole life as a Catholic is spent trying to figure out what it means to have been baptized, which is why I, I, I came up with the title of the book, uh-huh. You Have Put on Christ and Him You Have Been Baptized, is one of the the acclamations that can be used during the rite of baptism. Yeah. Well, what does it mean that you have put on Christ? Mm-hmm. And, you know, for me, I'm still trying to, I'm 56 years old, I'm still trying <laughs> to figure out what that means yeah. in my day-to-day life. Yeah, me too, me too. And that's essentially what happens at baptism, we say, you know, you, and that's what the white garment symbolizes too, you've put on exactly put on Christ. Um, in the book, you, you, you very eloquently say that um, many of us, and, and I'm, a, I'm an ordained minister, I would not be a deacon had I not been baptized. Exactly. Many of us wouldn't be doing what we're doing, wouldn't be sitting at Mass every Sunday had we not been baptized. So so that's the first part of the question, that our baptism is the beginning of the journey, that's where it all began, that's of importance. Why do we need to recall it, remember, remember it, and why do we do so as a community at every Easter vigil? Well, as much as we probably don't want to admit it, we Catholics... Uh, can be a very forgetful people. Uh-huh. And <clears throat> for me, I think that this annual remembrance of our baptism is exactly that. It's to remind ourselves through this 40-day period of fasting, but preparation for what happens at Easter when we celebrate the Paschal Mystery, Christ dying and rising, that we were configured to in baptism and continue to be configured to with our, with our weekend celebrations or daily celebrations of the Eucharist, right. that we forget who we are. You know, that the, the, the society is trying to tell us that we're something else, that we're supposed to be number one, that we can find salvation in a big screen TV, or we can find salvation in our, in our retirement plans. Or, yeah, yeah, yeah. But, you know, and we get bombarded with all this stuff all the time, and sometimes we just kind of stray away from the centrality of what it is that God's doing in our hearts, and Lent is the time to prepare for that moment at Easter when we once again say no to the devil and yes to Christ. Okay, so is it is it simply as as kind of rem- reminding ourselves what we believe, or is it more than that? Because that renewal of the baptismal promises is basically saying, this is what I believe, and we're proud to profess it in, in Jesus Christ, right? So is it more than, than that? Because we do that at every Mass when we say the Creed. That's correct, but it reaches a, a, a real poignant, a poignancy uh-huh. when in the context of the sacred triduum, the Holy Three Days, uh, you know, where we we celebrate and focus on what God accomplished in Christ, that we are called to, at that time, once again, you know, and when I say, say no to the devil and yes to Christ, we're answering a question that says, do you you reject Satan and all his empty show? And we're constantly surrounded by that empty show. Mm -hmm. And I really think... um, it's a moment, unfortunately, in many parishes that just kind of happens, and everybody's sprinkled with water, and then we move on. Mm-hmm. But 
if people are really uh, prepared for, and like you did in your homily, prepared for and catechized about the fact that we spend this time to remember who we are and to remember what God has done for us, it's kind of that, um, it's kind of that booster shot that, that, that we need to remind ourselves that um, my life was changed forever on that day that, that I was baptized. Mm-hmm. But I have to, I've I got to remember that because I, I, I'm not speaking for everybody, but boy, I get forgetful myself. Yeah, so do I. Now, you mentioned my homily, and, and just to tell our listeners, so I, last weekend, the readings were perfect because they were all about baptism, the, the covenant after the flood, and St. Peter actually says that the, the, the flood prefigures baptism. Um, so 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 it's clear so uh, so when i read your book i was i was looking for these baptismal themes in all the prayers and the readings and i will continue to do that during lent how can the regular uh, you know the, the, a catholic sitting in the pews uh, uh take a take a more baptismal approach to their lenten journey well i think we can't certainly not erase what has been has become a part of what our Catholic DNA is, and that's yeah. the penitential character of the season. And I don't think yeah. there's any attempt by the Church to want uh, to step back from that at all. But mm-hmm. for me, when I discovered all of this stuff, uh, I, I think what, what we did in our parish, I went through my own personal journey one Lent, and, and as you said, listened to scriptures, the songs, the, the texts, the, the, the actual uh, official prayers that the priest was praying in a completely different way, listening for those baptismal themes, yeah. you know, light, water, salvation, all of that. And then what I did with our parish staff, and this is a critical thing, is to get a parish staff, to get the, the deacons and the priests, the bishop, on board yeah. with what this is all about, so that it, this is what we did the following, the following year, our catechesis and our approach and what we put in the parish bulletin, and, uh, you know, what, what parishes put on their website, however they get information across, little pamphlets that they hand out at the beginning of Lent, that this, is, that, that this catechesis is happening so that the person in the pew becomes attuned to something different. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, the, the way you talked about, the way you, you know, focused on Noah and, and the, the prefigurement of baptism in that, yeah. in that reading last week, those two readings last week, I think people just need to continue to hear that, because um, if we don't continue to hear it, we're not going to get it to sink into our hearts and minds. Yeah, and I think it, it, it's worth also mentioning that there isn't that the, the two strands are not in in opposition one from no. the other. The penance and baptism. I mean, they're they're all together. It's all we go into the water, we go into the desert, we 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 death to sin in the water. That's pen. I mean, that's all. All the same thing is just maybe a slightly different option. Um, focus. Sorry. Now the little book. It's a little book. I read it literally in in I don't know an hour and a bit. Um, there there's the part of the book that is uh, informational, educational, telling us what the church teaches, and then you also give us some resources. There's a reflection session. Uh, uh, there are. Uh, there's another, uh, 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 I guess, a script for a, for a little uh, reflection ritual that you can do with catechumens after they've been baptized. Jerry, we have to leave it there, but I, okay. I'm, I'm very excited. And I hope you can tell that I'm very excited about this book. <laughs> and uh, and I hope our listeners are too, and uh, that they can start, uh, you know, maybe using it during Lent and throughout the year in their own parishes. Great. Jerry Gallopo is Vice President and Chief Publishing Officer for the J.S. Pollock Company and its Music and Liturgy Division World Library Publications. Jerry is a popular parish mission presenter and retreat leader, author, and composer. His latest book, You Have Put on Christ, Cultivating a Baptismal Spirituality, is published by World Library Publications. You can learn more or purchase the book 
at wlp.music.com. And here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Wall, with Behold, from their album, Always and Everywhere. Now heaven's spark Wild hearts are tempered Souls that groan are held Restless bones are craving Heaven's bread now Beauty in a simple offering Beauty made perfect by Jesus Christ That was Wall with Behold from their album Always and Everywhere. 
Now, if you've been listening to this program for at least a year, or if you listen to Salt and Light Radio, you will have heard the name The Jacob and Matthew Band. In fact, The Jacob and Matthew Band has been around for like 12 years. But now they've decided to rename themselves, to rebrand as WAL, W-A-L. And to find out why the change and where this new direction is taking them, I am now joined by Matthew and Michael Paul Leon. Guys, welcome back to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here. <laughs> Tripping over the phone there. Um, uh, so so why, why the change? Um, you know, that, that's a great question. This is Matthew speaking, by Matthew, the way. Matthew, okay. Um, you know, for when, when, when we first started the ministry, um, it started off with two people. Yeah. And as we started to progress and, and, and mature and move forward, that was something that was always brought up amongst ourselves is, you know, it's not about, it's not about the two individuals. It, it's about the ministry and what we stand for. Right. So, Jacob, and so, sorry. for the longest time, we struggled with the name. And um, yeah. the one thing that I can say and Michael Paul can say is, is we've taken away from this ministry is people always question love. And they question whether they are loved or not. Mm-hmm. And and as Catholics, as Christians, we believe that God is love. And if we truly believe that, then we know that we are loved. Mm-hmm. And and that's the message that that we've been ministering to people uh, from the time we started. And and just allowing them to know that God's love is unconditional. God's love has no bounds and and that is something that we always want to share with people so with that being said you see the the the, the name wall but yeah. what it really stands for is we are loved we are loved. yeah and i think that uh this is michael paul speaking here hi yeah. everybody yeah uh i think that you know over the last 12 years it's right you're right we've been together for 12 years um it you know where we go what we do and how we do what we do as far as ministry goes um, you know, at the end of 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 a, of a night or a, a weekend retreat or, you know, a concert, whatever you want to call it, the question uh, is like, okay, so which one's Jacob, which one's Matthew? And, right. you know, over time it was sort of, a, I'm not I'm to say that it was tiring, it was just more so like, no, that's not the point, it's not about us. Right. Um, and we wanted to find a way to steer away from that and to have the conversation not be so personality driven but mission driven uh-huh and and to ask a question about the mission rather than about the people because you know um we would rather have it be about you know God's glory than ours and so it seemed to make sense you know at this point this you know juncture in our lives to have that be the change you know and i think what matthew was saying as far as the reason behind why we changed it, it was it was pretty pretty spot on you know people knew that they right. accepted that that I the the fact or the, the the concept that they're loved unconditionally, you know, just mm-hmm. as a person. Yeah. So and that that would change that would change somebody. I, I know that would change me. Yeah. And it has changed me, and it has changed Matt, and it's actually what has uh, prompted us to do what we do. Yeah. So would you say then that it's not so much that it's the group is changing, but rather you've changed the name to reflect what the group always was. Yeah, I think that we're stepping, I think one phrase that we used together as we talked and prayed about this was, we're just stepping deeper into the truth of who we are. Uh-huh. 
And it's, it's not necessarily stepping back or away. It's more so stepping and leaning into, you know, what, what we've been doing and, and calling that out and recognizing that and then actually putting a name to it. And, and you really feel that if you were to call what you do, I, I guess, the mission of Wall, uh, of you guys, which you've been doing for 12 years, is to, to help instill that message that, that we are loved, that, that God loves us more than we can even begin to imagine and that that is what is the kind of the life the transformation, the life transforming uh, message. Yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think so. Good. Okay. The, 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 the age group that we uh, typically minister to, uh, Deacon, is, yeah. is high school teens. Right. Yeah. And I think that you know, from the time that I was a teen until now, and the, you know, the teens that we that we minister to. Uh, full-time in ministry at our own parishes, but then around the country and here in L.A. Uh, with Wall, th- that's a volatile, crazy time. Those four years, the, the teens call into question so many things. Yes. And if they could hold on to and cling to this, 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 this truth that we believe through all of that, you know, mm-hmm. would hope that that would lead to conversion and a transformation of heart you know, through whatever they encounter in the four years of high school. But then, you know, going past that, you know, the concept itself, even into college and then beyond, you know, into single life and then into marriage and into being a family, that idea, that concept, that truth that we hold, you know, it carries. Yeah. It does. And, you know, and, and from time to time, I, I, I believe, because I've personally gone through this, is we forget even as adults that, that we are loved, that... yeah. That that God truly loves us no matter what, uh, and yeah. He shows He shows that in in everyday ordinary things that that He blesses us with. So yeah, yeah, no. For a lot of people, that's that's a hard. Med- I mean, we don't we don't love ourselves. So this idea that to have someone love us in a way that we can't even imagine is 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 hard to understand. So is that the new album? The title "Always and Everywhere" does it kind of reflect that fact that it's we're always and everywhere loved? Or is it something else? Michael Paul here. Yeah, no, that's a good question, really. Um, we have, as, you know, uh, people of faith, uh, as being Catholic, have always, um, you know, in one way, shape, or form, have come to know God's infinite love through the Mass. We uh-huh. were, were taught this, but then I think in recent years, you know, as you journey through faith, have have come to realize the depth and the truth of what the Mass is and how the Mass itself is an act of love. Yeah, okay. And so this love is, the love that we experience at Mass is eternal, it's ongoing, it's forever, mm-hmm. always, it's everywhere, and, and it never stops. And so we, you know, during the Eucharistic prayers, you know, um, Father will say, we do well always and everywhere to give uh-huh. you thanks. Yeah. And so, you know, that sort of just sort of stuck to our hearts for quite some time, and and it, it, that was that sort of was the springboard um, for you know writing for the actual mass because it's where it's in the mass that we have come to know you know a true infinite deep love. Yeah, I get it. So it's, it's so it's about so it's about it's about the mass, not so much about not so much songs that we can use at mass. No, it's the songs you can use at mass. It's actually, so if we're going to boil it down to what oh, really? it's brass tax, it's more so a liturgical album than anything. Really. Yeah, yeah, so, that's it. Really is, and and you know that was the intention that we went in writing this this EP, and um, we took a lot of stuff scriptural from scripture and um, 
we are we're just really happy to share it with everybody. Um, so, I, I mean, if you go down the list of, yeah, of the yeah, EP, yeah. you could actually listen to each song and say, okay, that's opening. That is yeah. song of preparation. That is a communion song. That is meditation. That is closing. Yeah, and yeah. it was very intentional. Um, yeah, that's true. So let your let you let your light shine is a great recessional. Uh, behold, or that we just heard, or even in the name of the Father, could be a great offertory or communion song. Correct. Right. Or yeah. opening songs in the name of the Father could be a, 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 an opening song. Sure. Oh, yeah. God of Abraham uh, song yeah. of preparation. Yeah, absolutely. Um, adore meditation. Um, yeah, you're. I mean, now that I'm thinking about it in that context, you're you're absolutely right. So, is there is there an opportunity for people to download the music if they wanted to have the score so they can do it at mass? That's part of the uh, deal. Yeah. Uh, Voicesasone.com will. Uh, WLP is working on. We're Library Publications is working on getting those uh, those charts out as soon as possible because people have been asking um, over the last month or so, like where they can get some of these songs, and they're working on it to make sure that everything's right. Um, with optional key, with key options right. for you know your congregation to meet their needs and for it to be a, a, an accessible thing. So you know if you go to voicesasone.com, voicesasone.com, yep, you should be able to find it within the next couple of weeks or month. I would say. Okay, uh, that's good. That's good, and we'll. Uh, that's that's excellent, excellent, because I think that's that's what we you know real tangible, uh, useful. Not I hate to call them resources, but that's what they are. I mean, we need to. Yeah, and then um, on our on our website in the next month or so when that goes up, you, you can go to wallmusic.com and you'll see a Voices as One uh, link there yeah. in the next month. Um, so you can uh, go straight to the Voices as One page to where the music would um, is available for download. Excellent. Yeah, we actually have a Voices as One link on the Salt and Light Radio page as well. So so that's uh, beautiful. Really, yeah, yeah. No, really easy. It, it, nobody can complain about not finding it. But the most important website here is wallmusic.com. Thank you, guys. Um, I saw you last in Rio, but I'm hoping I'll see you in Krakow. Is that is that good? Oh, uh, we would. We, we we That's our prayer. That's our prayer that we could be able to be united with our brothers and sisters around the world in Krakow. You know, uh, it, it it depends on. There's so many like factors that go into like funding. And, yeah, I know. I know. And you know, you know that whole deal. So we'll we'll see how it goes. But if we're meant to be there, we will be there, and we can uh, give each other holy hugs. It'll be Absolutely. Great. If you're there, I'll see you there. Okay. Thank you very much. Good Thank stuff. You, Thank you, Deacon. You can find out more about Wall. You can book them for a concert, or you can buy their, their all their music or the new album, Always and Everywhere, at their website, as I said, wallmusic.com. That's W-A-L. Can't forget it. We are loved. Wallmusic.com. Here now is Wall with uh, the title track of their new album, Always and Everywhere. calling me back to the altar of heaven's feast where all the lonely and proud of heart come clean and this is your grace and your love for me your justice and mercy is what I receive your power made perfect when I am being always and everywhere. I will give you praise for it. 
Your sons and your daughters coming home. No longer strangers, but yours alone. Our swords turn to plowshares for the Listening to Wall with Always and Everywhere from their new album of the same name. This is a special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org. Hello and welcome to uh, the Salt and Light Hour, part two. I'm Deacon Pedro. Right now, we are between synods on the family. We had the Extraordinary Synod, or Preparatory Synod, of bishops on the family last October, and the Ordinary Synod will take place this year, 2015, also in October. Also, this year in September is the World Meeting of Families. So, in a way, this is very much a year to celebrate marriage and family. And so, throughout the year, we're going to be featuring interviews and conversations with various married couples of all kinds of backgrounds who share their perspectives on marriage and family. And today, I share an excerpt of a conversation I had with Melanie and Aaron Cohn, a young Jewish couple. They've been married for 12 years, and they have two kids. If you were Catholic and you wanted to be married in the Catholic Church, the Catholic Church in most dioceses around the world will make you do a marriage course preparation. How is the equivalent? Is there an equivalent? Right. So uh, one of the first steps in Jewish marriage is the, the, the um, EUC and the engagement process, right? Uh-huh. So we went through that and um, through our rabbi at the synagogue we, we had conversations and a few mm-hmm. lessons and um, we discussed some text uh, from the Torah and, oh, yeah. and, and yeah. etc. So but that was something that we actually we were elected to do. To do. Yeah. It's not yeah. a requirement the way it is, um, you know, in other in other, right. in in other, other faiths. So yeah. in other traditions. So, but for us, I think one one thing that was also really important was we wanted to have a special relationship with the rabbi who was going to marry us because uh-huh. we wanted the ceremony to be a personal one mm-hmm. and to be one that he had sort of seen us go through this process together yeah. and was able to personalize. Um, the the ceremony so that was a big part of why mm-hmm. we and and we sort of sure. was something that we wanted together but uh, most of our friends I don't think have done that no no wait so when you were studying uh, or or reflecting on the the particular text of the Torah I mean presumably text on marriage mm-hmm. not so much to prepare for the ceremony but actually to help you in your for the future life, for, for future, the future. Mm-hmm. so how was that so so the f- can I call it formation preparation was not so much you know, let's learn about bank accounts and parenting and sexuality. No. No. It, was, it was more of a, a faith. Yeah. It was really around the, the you know, the, the scriptures. And what the scriptures say. say. Yeah. And do you remember anything that you learned that really uh, grabbed you or that, that, or that you still hold on to today? Well, I have two things, I guess, that I hang on to. One, 
is the view that um, woman was created out of the side of a man. Uh -huh. And really that's because it's not from a, another part, it's really to be kind of a partner and a best friend. And that's really, I think, the partner in life and what I think is so critical. And the second thing um, that I think um, that really stood out for me, and it's something that actually, um, through the tradition um, that we often read on Friday night and stuff, The Woman of Valor, and uh -huh. it's something that a husband uh -huh. reads to a wife, and it talks about, um, you know, what that woman is all about, the values that they imbue, um, the kind of person they are, the kind of mother they are, the wife that they are, um, the person who um, who gives to the community, and um, and that is something that is really has always stuck with me. Let me stop you for a second. This is something that you do every Friday night the, yeah. the, for Shabbat. Mm -hmm. It's something that the husband. Yeah, traditionally the husband will sing it to the. His, oh, his, what a wonderful tradition to have your husband every Friday night, telling you how amazing you are. <laughs> now, Aaron, does Melanie do the or equivalent? Or what I ought to be. <laughs> <laughs> On a daily basis. <laughs> That's great. So you have two children now, um, a three-year-old and, and a newborn, three-month-old. Congratulations. Um, again, presumably you always thought that you'd not just be married but would have children as parents. Um, did you also have some sort of preparation for that? How did you as a married couple, other than let's just have kids and kind of fly by the seat of our pants? or? Well, I think, I don't think we actually flew by the seat of our pants because in as much as we were engaged quite quickly, we were married actually for seven years before, before we, had we had children. First, yeah. um, we knew we wanted to have and children. We, we knew we, we wanted, wanted to be, be but we also had things we needed to do. I pursued some additional schooling. We got our, you know, so I think, and it was actually something that um, a lot of our friends have had children sooner. Yeah, and yeah. I think for us, we really wanted to feel ready and kind of, be in a different headspace. So mm -hmm. for us, it, it actually was the most amazing blessing at the perfect time. Um, and, and I think we were quite ready. Um, it wasn't something that we got married and right away didn't think about it. It was something that right. we really thought through and you know, we did quite a bit um, before then. Were you thinking that when you were married, it wouldn't have been the right time to have children? That you wouldn't have been ready or that there were other things that you wanted to do as a married couple before you had children. Right, I mean, I think, I mean, in terms of the additional schooling piece of it, I mean, that right. we wanted to get through that, but in mm -hmm. terms of, uh, you know, still getting to know each other and living your life and establishing a household mm -hmm. and that type of a for household sure. you want to establish, I think, for, for us from that perspective, we wanted to wait a little bit of time and, and, and really uh, mm -hmm. be close together before and we really started. And really cultivate our marriage, exactly. for sure. Were there any ideas that you had about marriage and family or parenting <laughs> 12 years ago that you don't have now that has changed now that you are living it? I, I think or that have been reinforced? Well, I mean, to be honest, yeah. I think once you're living it, it changes everything, right? I mean, you can say you want to be this type of parent or that type of parent, but yeah. it's also the type of child you're going to have, too, yes. that directs that. So um, from a specific, probably not, but yeah. in terms of it's basically we do it on every day. Every day is a different day, and there's different challenges you face every day. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's the best way we've done that. So. Yeah. How about you, Melanie? I think um, really trying to make the most of every minute that I have because I think they grow so quickly and they change so quickly and I think um, all the wonderful things that we experience and all the blessings are also mm -hmm. difficult at the same mm -hmm. time and it's you know it's the you know getting up at night and and yeah. you know but but I have to say like I try to make the most of those times as well because 
I know that I can only hold them for so long and lift them for so long and sing to them for so long and rock them for so long. Yeah. So it's really about um, taking some of those things that are often seen as challenges and mm -hmm. um, really make, because you know, from make one day to the next, it yeah. changes and then you never get it back again. Yeah. Okay, so that's a lot of really good advice, but I'm going to ask you the advice question one more time, sure. maybe just to end up. So if you had to, to, to give advice to a young couple that is considering marriage, I don't know, maybe in the synagogue they mentor young couples. I'm not sure if they do that. And they've chosen you. What advice would you give them? I think patience. You know, patience, communication, learning about each other for sure. Mm -hmm. yeah. um, but I, I, th I think... Once you have that, it's, it, it forms a maybe more of a solid foundation, and then you kind of learn more about each other, right? Mm -hmm. So, but you need to have that patience, for sure. Patience. Yeah. I would agree. I would see it really as an investment in cultivating your relationship, because you're only as strong um, together. Mm -hmm. um, and I think that, um, and that that's really what you give your children, and you need to be on the same page. And those nights when you are exhausted, when you want to take it on each other, you need to know kind of where you are. And I think it can be very overwhelming if you do all that mm -hmm. too quickly, and you can easily fall apart. Because if you don't have your best friend with you, you know, going through it with you um, and supporting you, especially when the difficulties start to happen, because they right. do, um, you're kind of toast. Yeah, you see that one look to make sure everything is okay, and that's all it takes sometimes, yeah. right? So. Yeah, but it takes time to be able to get there. Exactly. So you would say, if I can take anything, I'm trying to sort of take the one thing you'd say that, that I mean, the marriage is, is really the foundation. Yeah. And, and not to say, well, can we say that it's more important that that's, it, foundationally, I mean. Mm. And then, well, if you, if don't you have, have a healthy that, marriage, you're gonna have Then you're healthy. not gonna really be able to have the kind of footing you need to, um, to raise children yeah. because it's it's a lot of hard work. It is. Good. And it's wonderful work. It's the best, <laughs> no, no, it's the best work absolutely. in the entire world. The most world. important work, absolutely. And it is, and that's absolutely. why, and, and you gotta be prepared for it. Absolutely. And I think that, you know, you can idealize it just like you idealize marriage. Mm -hmm. And it's it's a lot it's of work, world, and right? it's time, yes. and, uh, and, and it's really important. Yes, and wonderful. Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so much for sharing with us. Our this pleasure. has been excellent. That was an excerpt of a conversation that I had with Melanie and Aaron Cohn, a young Jewish couple. You can watch the full interview at saltandlighttv.org slash perspectives and also on Roku. Here now is our featured artist of the week, Trevor Thompson with Let Your Mercy from his new album In Shadow and In Light. Let your mercy wash over us like the rainfall Refreshing the earth, let your mercy wash over us. We, your people, are thirsting for you. As the deer longs for waters, flowing waters from the stream, so my soul. And the third 
That was Trevor Thompson with Let Your Mercy from his new album In Shadow and In Light. Trevor Thompson has been a musician all his life and a worship leader for almost 25 years. In 1999, he released his first album, In This Place, and began touring the United States. His latest album is a spiritual collection that includes a new mass setting. And so I am very happy to welcome Trevor to our program today. Trevor, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Thank you, Deacon Pedro. It's good to be with you. So before we talk about the album, um, let's kind of go back. So what was it like growing up in the Thompson household? (laughs) That's a good question. Um, Growing up in the Thompson household, you know, I have an older brother. Yeah. And, um, you know, uh, it it, it wasn't always pleasant, you know. I mean, it was a good family that I had, but I come from a broken family. Mm -hmm. And so um, I'm really grateful that uh, growing up, I had a, a wonderful stepfather. Uh-huh. was really, really became my father, you know. Um, but, you know, uh, we chose, you know, we live in L.A., and yeah. we chose to not have a TV. So we, we kind of live a little old, older style, you know. Right. And what I loved about that is that gave us the opportunity, you know. Number one, we always sat around the table to have a meal. Uh, we also would, you know, we'd, we'd sit around each other and talk. And we'd listen to the radio. You know, we used, we used to listen to, like, Prairie Home Companion every Saturday night. Huh. Yeah. <laughs> so that that was, in a nutshell, kind of what, what a little peak would be in our family. So so uh, did you, uh, you were Catholic. Did, did you, oh, were, you weren't? No, no, you weren't. no, no, no okay. I'm a convert. I'm the only Catholic in my family. Okay, tell me um, about that. Yeah, yeah, we're, um, we're Native American, and so that's our... Okay. That's the spirituality that I grew up with. Uh-huh. Um, my tribe is in um, Northern California in the United States. Yeah. yeah. And um, so, yeah, growing up, we we kind of grew up in that traditional Native way. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it was in my Native spirituality that I actually kind of found the church. You know, there was so many symbols that, like, 
you know, reminded me of being an Indian, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I converted when uh, I was 19 years old. Right. Yeah, I was baptized. How did that, how did that go with the rest of your family? You know, it was wonderful. You know, yeah. they were happy for me because there was a sense that, um, you know, that, that I had took a different step in, in my faith, in my journey, you know? Mm-hmm. Our, our walk was always important, even growing up. Yeah. You know, knowing about God was always important. And ironically, on, on our mantle, we always had a picture of Mary. Right. <laughs> and so I know somewhere down the line that, you know, there's a, there's another Catholic connection, you know? <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So my, my mom's never spilled the beans about that yet. Interesting. Interesting. Yeah. Now, with with, uh, with Native Native American Catholics, I think you really get a good sense of of what what the church talks about enculturation. So you're able, were you, are you still able yes. to, or do you see yourself as a as a Native American Catholic? And part of that, and I don't want to say it's a different tradition, but sort of in yes. the in in the fullness of what that enculturation means. Yes, I want to say yes to that, but I want to say that it took a while. Uh-huh. Because when, when you know, with being a native, you know, Native American, that sometimes in our in our church, and, and not just our church, but other places too, that that Native American spirituality is not always looked at in a positive way, you know. And so when I first became Catholic, and, and after I was even ah, sorry before I was baptized, I was told that I should probably let some of those things go, some right. of the beliefs I had, yeah, and. And I believed it, you know, and I, and I accepted it. But it wasn't until later, uh, much of, maybe about 12 years ago, you know, maybe a little longer, that I realized that that who I am, I'm Native American, you know, yeah. in my heart, in my thinking, in, in, in my memory, you know. But what I've realized is I, can, I don't have to walk two roads. Mm-hmm. I don't have to walk the, you know, the red road. I don't have to walk... In California, we call it the Blue Road. Yeah. Um, but uh, I, I can, you know, like walk that road and then walk the Catholic road. I could walk one road and honor Christ, and um, and that's where the enculturation happens. Yeah, so, yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah, it's been beautiful, beautiful to see that happen. It is unfold. Yeah. You know? No, and I've been I've been able to participate in a lot of those traditions where. As you say, you're able to honor Christ and follow the church faithfully through yeah, some of yeah. those traditions that you have, you know. Um, so that that's really beautiful. What, now, um, I'm thinking about the music in your life and growing up, and I, I heard that you were named after Graham Nash. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, my mom actually wanted to call me that, and, and my dad, you know, my, my father father was like, yeah. I think he was jealous, you know, he said, we're not calling him Graham Nash. <laughs> so, but so, your middle name is said, Nash. We, yeah, my middle name is Nash. So he said he could keep the middle name, but we should call him Trevor. So was it was it a musical family? I don't know, not a, a musical yeah. household. Was there music? Like were your parents or your stepdad musical in that sense? Well, um, my mom, I you know she was she would sing a lot. You know, growing yeah. up, what I heard was um, man, you know, records all the time. Yeah, not having a TV was a big deal because yeah. you know our entertainment was music. You know, yeah. Yeah. Um, so, like, I grew up, you know, my mom would, and my sister would put on, you know, their their records, and my mom was into Crosby, Stills, and Nash, Fleetwood Mac, all that stuff. Yeah. And my my stepdad's Cubano, he's a Cuban. Oh, yeah. And so, 
So we used to grow up, you know, listening to <laughs> you know, funny All Stars yeah. and you know Santa Cruz. <laughs> That's funny. What a great combination. Ah, it, it seemed to make sense, you know, and, and it really it really shaped. I think the way I think about music, you know. Yeah, of course, of course. Good. That that's what a great uh, talk about a different kind of inculturation. Um, <laughs> so you have this 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 new album now with World Library Publications in Shadow and in Light. Can you tell us a little bit yes. about the album and why that title? What's the significance of the title? Yeah, you know, absolutely. You know, I, just in in my reflections and in my prayers. I've grown to have this sense that God is always with us, you know, mm -hmm. in every single moment, whether whether they're like good times or whether they're really difficult times, whether we feel close to God or whether we feel that God is far away, right. you know? And so this idea for me is, is in shadow and in light. You know, God is always with us mm -hmm. in all of those moments, you know? And the other thing I really kind of thought about, too, was... Um, You know, there's that prayer by Francis Thompson, the uh, Franciscan, uh -huh. and and he talks, you know, the the hound of heaven. Yes. And he, and he talks about the gloom, the gloom in me is the shade of your hand, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I've heard that from a friend of mine, another songwriter, and that really went to my heart that how beautiful that is, you know? Yeah. And even in the darkness, we discover God. Yeah. That's, so that's what this one is really about. Yeah, sometimes more so in the darkness, in the in the shadows, is where you find God. Yes. Um, yes. Now the whole—I didn't want to give the impression at the beginning of the program that the whole album is a mass setting. You have some original songs as well as yes. a mass setting. So, yes. tell us about this mass for the mass for the healing of the world. What what were you hoping with that? Exactly that <laughs> healing of the world. <laughs> that's a big, a big. You know, that's a big commitment, Trevor. It's a big commitment, right? <laughs> Maybe for, for you know, yeah, uh, not for Jesus, but for us, it is. Yeah, for us, it seems overwhelming. <laughs> but that's what I kind of had the sense of. Now, the other part too, Pedro, is that as a Native American, I go back to that. You know, yeah, on Karuk, yeah. Northern California. Yeah, and our job, we believe, our job is to fix the earth. And so, like, my people have been doing healing ceremonies for the earth, and not just meaning, like, the trees, the plants, but the, everything, everything, yeah. the air, the water, the people. Interesting. We've been doing ceremonies for 12,000 years in one place. And so, um, when I first, my first kind of public singing of this, it wasn't at, at a mass, but um, I took my boys to a really sacred place for us. It's on the Klamath River. Uh -huh. And it's the place where these ceremonies have taken place for those 12,000 years. Hmm. And so I remember taking my boys and we just started singing through the Mass. And I figure somehow I'm going to connect with, with our ancestors, you know. And what I mean by that is, yeah, my Native ancestors, but um, also the saints, yeah, you know. Yeah, of course. These are, you know, so they're going to be, they're, I know that they're going to be singing with us when we're praying the Mass. So might as well start it at a place like that, you know. Mm -hmm. And so that's my idea, and the the whole reason why this mass even came is I was trying to find uh, a, a way or setting that can easily engage people. You mm -hmm. know, when we're at church, yeah. And so it's kind of it's a call and response. You know, yes. And my hope was that this mass might encourage people who might have been away from the church or people who you know haven't been back in a while, and then they come back to mass that even they can sing and pray, you know, the, the Mass with, 
with their heart and with their mind. Yeah. So, no, that that's, yeah, that's yeah. Thank you for thank you for for offering us this because I do believe that this is the type of it's congregational, but at the same time, it's it's also mm-hmm. invitational for people. We assume, and I'm a deacon, so I think I'm a fault too. We assume that everybody that's there at mass, they know what they're doing, and and yes. and a lot of people that are there. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know the responses. They come once in a while, and we need to make them feel welcome. So this is a great way through the music to make them feel welcome. Um, ah, thank you. Good. There you go. So if people want, they can get the album, but they can also get the, the sheet music or the booklet so they can actually play them at Mass, correct? Correct. Absolutely. Yep. So they can get that through World Library Publications. Okay. Trevor, that's all the time we have, but this has been great. I've hey, loved, hey. I love, I've loved talking to you. I've, I've heard about you for a long time, so this has been <laughs> a real you, treat to finally have you in the program. And I was just in California, so next time I go, we'll have to connect for sure. Okay. Yes, come over for dinner. I'd love that. I'd love that. All right, Trevor. Yeah. God bless. Thank you, my friend. God bless you. You can learn more about Trevor Thompson at his website, trevorthompsonmusic.com. Calm and his new album, In Shadow and in Light, is published by World Library Publications. I'm going to put all those links on our site so you can find that easily. Here now is Trevor Thompson with a beautiful song, We Are Your Love, from his new album, In Shadow and in Light. Listening to Trevor Thompson with We Are Your Love 
from his new album, In Shadow and in Light. And that brings us to the end of this special edition of the Salt and Light Hour. Remember to visit our website, saltandlighttv.org, and to follow me at Deacon Pedro GM. Thanks for listening. Light in the dark for all to see. I've given water for the thirsty. We are your body.